Husky fans, this is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. Um, except this week, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, I had a, a, an awesome conversation with uh, two members of the 1999 UConn men's basketball uh, national championship team. Uh, Khaled El Amin and Suleiman Wan both joined the show with me today. And, um, you know, we, you know, we, we, instead of talking about any old games, um, you know, we're, we're about two weeks. Uh, it's been about two weeks since uh, George Floyd's uh, killing at the hands of the Minneapolis police. Um, and, the, the, you know, we've been seeing these incredible demonstrations going throughout the across the country the last two weeks. Um, so, you know, this is much bigger than basketball. So uh, I'm really grateful that we've had the opportunity to uh, bring uh, Khaled and Suleiman on the show. Um, so, yeah, we, we you know, we, we, we get into the conversation. I just going to record this uh, quick intro just to first of all, we um, the, there were a, there were some audio issues throughout the recording. And uh, despite my best efforts, I had some difficulty getting rid of it. So you, you'll hear some what sounds like a bit of a clicking sound throughout. Um, just bear with me. <laughs> I, I did my best, but uh, either way, uh, you know the message, you know, from Khalid and from Suleiman was very powerful. I'm really appreciative of both of them to have uh, taken time out of their day to um, have this conversation. So uh, anyway, yeah. So we'll kind of just get right into it, and um, yeah, here is uh, Khalid and Suleiman. So uh, Khaled and Suleiman, uh, both of you, thanks so much for coming. Um, looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, Khaled, how you doing? I'm doing well, Mac. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Suleiman, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Of course, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, basically just to kind of dive right in, I mean, obviously, you know, what we've been seeing these past couple of weeks has been nothing short of remarkable. Uh, what what is I guess just to start like what's your reaction to this whole situation been you know both the video and you know how horrible that was and also just you know what we've been seeing in terms of the protests ever since. Well, uh, uh, well, being that you know, Mac, uh, everything started here in Minneapolis, and um, you know, just just getting that that feeling again about you know just being frustrated and you know just having so many emotions come out, you know. You, you see that video, you see how horrifying it was, you see how, you know, this is the type of behavior that police officers, especially in Minneapolis and all over the country, uh, have been demonstrating. Um, just uncalled for, over the top, and you see so many lives have been lost due to uh, the behavior of police officers and, and just the, the, the racism, you know, at the hands of officers it's just um it's heartbreaking to see and, and, and i'm just so sad that it happened in my city yeah you know when i when i saw that video really um you know i, I was sad I, I was mad i was um you know frustrated and and can't believe in 2020 once again we we're seeing the same type of police brutality on our streets and in this country um you know, injustice. It's, 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 things have to change. You know, again, 2020. We shouldn't be talking about this right now. No, absolutely. It's it's terrible, but I, I think it, it definitely is encouraging just to see how widespread this whole thing has been. But, you know, Kyle, like you said, you know, this all kind of this happened in Minneapolis. Uh, you're from Minneapolis and you've more or less lived there your whole life whenever you haven't been, uh, you know, like 
playing basketball. So you know, what's it been like just to be in Minneapolis this whole, you know, these past couple of weeks? It's been like a movie. I mean, literally nonstop, 24 hours a day, you're getting little sleep, you know, uh, it, you know, you, you're going to protest, uh, during the day you're at the, uh, the vigil for, for Floyd, for George Floyd. And, you know, you see all the love and you see all the passion that people have and wanting justice for him and just feeling, uh, you know, just feeling mad at the whole system and, and, and tired of it going on like this. And and then, you know, in, in the evening, during the evening comes the protesters, you know, they calm down a little bit. And then comes out, you know, the looters, the, the people who uh, don't don't want justice uh, for Floyd, just want to take advantage of the situation and and try to, you know, cause confusion for their efforts uh, or, or their organization. And, you know, it, it's just crazy because, you know, at night, you have to be on guard. You know, you have to guard your businesses. You know, they're breaking windows. They're they're looting your business. Um, you know, they're burning your business to the ground, uh, uh, Matt. So, you know, you're on guard 24 hours a day. Uh, I know I was, I was protecting my business. I was protecting our places of worship. So, uh, you know, we got very little sleep uh, during those two weeks. And, um, you know, I'm just now catching up on my sleep. And, you know, it got kind of taxing. Uh, you know, towards the end or going into the second week, not, you know, uh, having gotten a lot of sleep and, and having to be alert, having to be aware and just coming out those next mornings, Mac, and seeing the destruction of the city, the police precinct burned to the ground. You have businesses burned to the ground. People have worked hard for those businesses, their, their lifeline, so to speak, and, and, and for, you know, things that happen because of or, 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 or in the name of just you know taking advantage of the situation is is definitely something that you know i hate to have seen happen and that's what we were living with uh, for the past two weeks Jeez, that's horrible what so i i imagine you you've you've been out there a lot i'm sure you you know just between the you know defending the the, the businesses and the churches and stuff have, have you att- how many protests have you attended are you you know, have you been involved in, I guess we'll say, the, the positive sides of uh, the demonstrations? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're definitely at all the, the protests that's, that's community-based, that that the community here in Minneapolis, whether it's North Minneapolis or South Minneapolis, that's trying to make a, a positive change, whether it be, you know, for the police department to change some of their training efforts and, and, and um you know, work for a better way to, to treat its African-American community um, or whether it's, you know, being um, uh, uh, somehow helpful in food drive, giving away fruit because they looted all of those um, supermarkets in neighborhoods. And so there's no supermarkets, there's no gas stations, uh, there's no Walgreens, you know, those things to get your essential needs. Those places have been burned to the ground. So we were just trying to do, you know, some good humanitarian uh, efforts and get people out those essential supplies to them and and get them food so suli uh well i you know you so you're obviously from up in this area um you know you're living lowell uh teach in haverhill uh which is in northern massachusetts for those who don't know uh so have you been out in, i have you been out and about in any of the protests that have been happening in the merrimack valley yeah definitely uh i think this is this is it's my duty to go out there and and and, and have my my voice heard um everyone's now to the duty to come out and 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 show uh, the politicians and, and everybody, society in general, that you know, things have to change. You know, it, it, so definitely, I've been out there in Lowell. 
obviously just a little tough in this time with coronavirus, just trying to take all the precautions um, to make sure that everything goes well. But definitely been out there and like how it was it's sad to be looting and then people breaking things. It's just hard. You don't need to break anything, you know. And, uh, but, you know, but, but also happy. Happy to see the movement moving forward. Um, you know, be seeing big crowds. And every time I'm, I'm, I'm also glued to the TV, I'm seeing Philadelphia, to Minneapolis, um, you know, the city of Minneapolis, in Minnesota. I mean, it's, it's the whole country from Los Angeles and, and, and just big crowds and, and, and people are, are, are sick of everything. They won't pay. And, and, and police brutality needs to stop. Social, you know, changes you need social justice. So, yeah. Happy and sad to see all those Nice. So uh, one thing that struck me about these demonstrations is how widespread they've been. So, I mean, you know, this isn't like they're only happening in Minneapolis. They've been like in every all the states and small towns and, you know, mid-sized cities. You know, wh- why do you think, uh, and Khaled, we'll start with you. Why do you think this movement has caught on in a way that, it ha- like, you know, similar movements in the past maybe haven't? Well, I, I think because the whole country was watching right now. You know, we had the <laughs> slow down from the pandemic of COVID-19 and all eyes uh, were on the TV, you know, uh, it's not much to do. Not all the, the states were opened up. So we had a lot of downtime. Uh, and, and, and like I said, we were watching more TV than we usually do. And I think it was just a matter of the perfect storm. You know, um, I, I can only stress that the, the black community in these, in these different cities, and, and it was all 50 cities that, that were protesting, you know, we're just sick and tired of that treatment. You know, we're men, we're women, we're citizens. Uh, you know, we work, we pay taxes like everyone else. Uh, uh, but we are treated unfairly when it comes to these type of situations. And um, it was an uh, 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 instance to where we want to say no more. Uh, Matt, we're, not, we're tired of, of being tired. We're tired of being subjected to this type of uh, behavior. And, um, you know, we just want our voices to be heard. And we don't want to go through this anymore. We're tired of saying that we're tired. We're tired of having to bury uh, our black and brown brothers from police stops that could, everything that could have been avoided. None of these situations had to happen. They all could have been avoided. That is the tragedy here. And this is what we have to change. And so I think it was so widespread because everybody can understand it. All 50 states can can feel the pain that is going on in Minneapolis because it is happening in each state, every state. So I think that's why it was so widespread. And, and like I said, people wanted to be heard and people are fed up. Absolutely. I uh, So one thing that I think probably can't be overstated enough, the, the fact that the coronavirus shut everything down, There, there's no distractions now. You know, there's no sports to, you know, kind of, you know, preoccupy people. There's no, you know, no, yes, a lot of, a lot yes. of people aren't working. So, I mean, so, Suli, do you, have you had it, you know, have you, have you gotten any, any sense that maybe that could be a dynamic at play where maybe a lot of the people who previously might've not paid as close attention maybe are and maybe because of that you're seeing you know more you know it's not only black people who are out on the streets it's you know a wide variety of people from all different backgrounds and it's nice to see it's it's a variety of people from all different backgrounds for all races you know religion everybody's involved in this movement which is and it makes it awesome um and and that's right like i was saying we 
just black people are just tired of the whole the whole thing, man. That's ho- that's horrible. Wait, so you 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 were just out visiting one of your family members, and just a whole bunch of cops just show up just for no reason at all. Yes, we just show up, and then um, once again get on the ground. And I was on the ground for for the longest. My wife came uh, two minutes later. Still, they were giving a hard time, and uh, you know, to this day, I had no apology, uh, no reason at all. Given. Uh, me. It's just some lady has called the police saying that it was obviously a tall black man in the neighborhood and then and, and, and there you go. Jeez. So that explains what a lot of black people are going what black people in general are going through in this country. Yeah, so so what happened? Right. Did you did like did they let you go? Were you taken to the station? Like you know, how did yeah, how did that time but then obviously my wife came in and asked me for my id and all that so she had to go back to the uh to the car and get my id and bring it back and and, and, and all that and stuff but it, it, once again this is my story but this happens a lot and guess what george floyd happened in uh in minneapolis and and, and once again there's so many different uh situations like that that are happening in the country and that's why uh the movement is going stronger but Five matter uh, movement is going strong, and everybody's into it. And once again, I'm glad that so many people are are, are in it uh, these days, and, and we do, we need change. Man, absolutely. That's I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's terrible, Khalid. I guess I guess while we're on the subject, uh, if 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 you don't mind me asking, has anything like that ever happened to you? For uh, I don't think um, that I've ever experienced anything like that, where having to be pulled out of my uh, car at gunpoint and, and thrown to the ground or told to get on the ground, but I have, as far as uh, driving was concerned, to be pulled over. But you know, um, you know, it it's sad, Mac, that we had to live. We have to live in a society where that's just okay. We have to just deal with that. We we, we can't, um, you know, be upset. We can't show that we're frustrated. Uh, we can't show that we're angry and we're pulled over for no apparent reason. But obviously, just being a different skin color, and it's just so frustrating. And uh, to reiterate what uh, Suleiman said, it's just 
been happening over and over and over again in all parts of the country. And, uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate that we have to go through that. No, so it, it really is, and it has to change. Uh, so let's uh, kind of touch on a slightly different subject now. So you, both of you have played basketball all over the world. Um, you've experienced a, a much wider variety of cultures than most. So I'm wondering, like, how have your experiences overseas, you know, in other countries, how have those compared to kind of what it's like in America? And uh, Khaled, we'll start with you on this one, too. Well, I think, you know, being and living in so many countries and playing in so many countries, like you said, I got a, uh, you know, a wide, diverse outlook on things. And, um, you know, I can just see how in, in different countries that, you know, you still feel you know, the systemic, systemic uh, racism at times, but in some countries you don't feel it at all. And, and, and it's frustrating to feel like, you know, you're accepted more <laughs> abroad than you are in your own country or you're treated a little bit better abroad than you are in your own country. So, um, yeah. you know, that that's frustrating. But I had, and I'm thankful that I've had the opportunity to, to play around the world and, and to see different cultures and to understand that the way that we have treated it just reiterates that it is not right. And not everywhere in the world thinks like we think here. And, you know, sometimes it was refreshing to go out and, and go to another country for those eight or nine months and, and be away from all of this because when you come back home, um, you know, you understand that, hey, you know, there are places that are doing things right and we have a lot of hard work to do to get to that uh to that level yeah, it depends uh, it depends on what country you go uh, I played in maybe five to six different countries and uh, of course have some experiences just like similar to what's going on in this country right now where you look at as you don't belong here you shouldn't be here uh, remember when I was in Poland for example um, I had a great time in Poland played basketball there for a year but it was I remember one time going out and uh, you know, a couple of people told me that I shouldn't be here. I should go back to my country. It also happened here in the United States, going to a store with one of my friends. Um, you know, you hear that message, go here. You don't go out, get out of here. You don't belong here. Go back to your own country. And of course, uh, being from African descent, you know, uh, from, from Africa and, 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 and coming here, uh, just looking for better opportunity. You don't want to hear those type of things. And, and same thing, going to Europe, playing basketball, um, you know, some like I say, some countries are more receptive uh, than others. No, absolutely. So, a question for both of you then. You know, were there any particular countries that were better than others? Like ones that you found you maybe you didn't face as much a uh, much of that kind of a uh, you know issue. Khaled, we'll that, start with that you. We did it, that we didn't feel that, or we did feel. S- sorry, w- countries that you felt more comfortable and didn't get as much uh, crap from people. Oh, well, I, I love Germany, uh, I love Turkey, and surprisingly, Israel. Israel was very friendly. The people treated me well. Um, you know, I know I was in, you know, the parts of, uh, of you know, Israel where, you know, there wasn't um, close to uh, the war and things that's going on in Israel, so I was kind of far away from it, but I was treated well there. So um, I can't say that I had a very bad uh experience as far as racism abroad all my experiences of of being negative has been here 
in America. You know, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that Israel was a was good because I re- when I was preparing for this podcast, I read a story about when you were in Israel. Uh, there was a crowd that really got on your case. Uh, it sounded actually about the fact that you're a Muslim, and uh, I was you know it sounded like they were pretty ruthless. So is that was that not overblown or not really the case? Well, uh, and, and that is the tension. It was um, you know a few bad apples. That you know, who loved that loved their team. They're, they were uh, a fan of their team, and we were playing against their team. And you know, unfortunately, I think uh, those guys kind of uh, took it a little bit too far as far as trying to heckle me, so to speak. But I think those guys were young, young guys, and um, I don't think the majority of the population um, shared those same uh, feelings that those few young guys did. Okay, so yeah, the way the the way the story made it sound, it was like the whole building. So maybe maybe that was a little exaggerated. Um, yeah. So all right, well, well so- I, had a, I had a similar experience, but this one was in Poland, and uh, no, sorry, it was this was in Bosnia, my first year overseas, and um, we were I was looking for a team that was located in this place like a Muslim uh, kind of county, or, or, or mm-hmm. and then we were going like, playing. Uh, uh, versus Catholic East somewhere, and I remember they were they had a thing for us. They were singing that we're gonna kill three thousand, just like we killed three thousand Muslims in one night. Of the story about a city I forgot the name of the city. Uh, they said they were gonna do the same thing for us, kind of to intimidate us and and and, and everything. But kind of the same, just a few uh, spectators, so-called fans, just uh, trying to get to you, but. You know, once again, it's not, it depends on where it is, really. Some some countries are better than others. Jeez, they, they chanted, like, something to the effect of, you know, we killed 3,000 people in one night and we're going to do that to you. Is that is that right? Yeah, sure. And then, then once again, this was uh, right after the war, because, you know, they had the, the war between Serbia, Croatia, and um, uh, Bosnia. Kosovo. And, yeah. and Kosovo. Yeah, Kosovo. Exactly, yeah. So, so that was, you know, those are the things. And... And I mean, it's actually a real story where, you know, the Kosovo generals or whatever army came into a Muslim town and then literally uh, slaughtered a lot of uh, Muslims within 48 hours or 24 or whatever that was. And then so those are the chances that we were getting. Oh, my God. That's horrible. (laughs) Man, I mean, that and that's like, geez, like that's I don't even know, man. That's that's rough. just to just have a little bit more clarity, and it's good that we were foreigners and we didn't understand what they were saying. And I'm sure a teammate relayed that and and, and kind of you know told Suleiman what they were saying. But yeah. it's good that we didn't speak the language and we weren't fluent because if we would have heard that and understood that, maybe we would have you know we would been too scared to play the game or we couldn't do our job effectively. You know? Oh my God! Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I guess I guess if you don't understand, then it's like kind of whatever. But Man, wow. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, so moving, moving on again. So, Khalid, I wanted to ask you about uh, your your son Ishmael. Um, he organized a, a a protest in Muncie, Indiana, last Thursday, and from what I read, it was very well attended and sounded like a, a big success. So, I mean, what was that like just for you to kind of see him step up and you know put together something like you know such a a big oh, and wow, successful man. event? It, it was awesome. It was awesome to say the least. I was surprised because I didn't know until a couple of days before. And, um, you know, but he's always uh, an activist. He's always been, um, you know, around community events. His mother is very engaged 
uh, in, in that fight. And so um, even though he surprised me, I'm not surprised because he's always been around it, if that makes sense. But it was it was terrific, Mac, uh, going to Muncie. And if you know anything about Muncie, it's, it's kind of like stores. It's a college town, but it actually has a, its own population. When school's not in session, you know, there's other um, – um, citizens, uh, people that, that live there all year round. So during this protest, it wasn't the school body. You know, it was the actual citizens that live in Muncie. And I'm sure when they heard about the incident and like any other American or any other instance that happened, um, you know, they were frustrated, they were angry and, and they wanted to be heard. And um, I'm not sure they, if they always had that platform. But uh, I, I'm just very thankful and very happy that Ishmael had the opportunity to use his platform. You know, he's a part of the men's basketball team at Ball State and him having the opportunity to reach so many people in the community and have them come out and have them have put on a peaceful protest just to be heard, to let everybody know you're welcome here and we want to voice, you know, our uh, anger and I, and we have something has to change. And he actually gave those people in Muncie a voice. And, and that's what I'm so proud of him for, for uplifting the people and, and being engaged in the community in which he lived in. That's something that we always stress to him. And it's just, uh, it feels good to see him um, being able to carry out what we instilled in him. Oh, man. It, it seemed like, like from all accounts, it just sounded like it was such a great day. Uh, as a father, were you, were you nervous at all beforehand that, A, maybe there, you know, some looter type people could have potentially caused disruptions? Or potentially if, like, you know, the police, I don't know, decide to break it up and cause problems that way. Was that a concern at all that something the protest could have gone wrong somehow? Well, yeah, well, that, that was the reason why I went down. I definitely want to support him and, and his endeavors and, and, and making sure that everything was okay. And I was just down there for safety, wanted, wanted to be around and wanted to, you know, uh, basically be around him. So if anything ever did happen, that I would be there with him having um, wanting to protect him and want him to get him to safety and, and, and everyone else who was uh, there on the march also. So um, that's the reason, the main reason why I went, but also to support him. Oh, that's great. So, Liman, you your kids are a little bit younger, I, I know. So what's that been like for them? You know, have they, you know, taken part in any protests or have they, I don't know, given really expressed any particular opinion on the whole thing one way or the other? You know, I'm always trying to shield my uh, my wife and I, uh, and we did a like an awesome job doing that for weekly. You know, I think with this one we had a we had a little boost, and actually to tell you the truth, I, we were hiding it for the first what four weeks or so, kind of run away from the conversation. Uh, but then after a while, you know, hearing them talk about oh, maybe Floyd was a bad guy, then I had to step in. Then she had to step in. And then, then it was time to kind of educate our boys a little bit about really what social injustice, uh, injustice is, and, and, and you know the, uh, the racial divide that, that goes on in the country. And I have to say, share a story. My son came home one day, and then uh, said that uh, yes, somebody approached him who's he doesn't even know the kid. The kid told him that flat out, "Do you know that it's illegal to shoot black people in this country?" You know. At, at age twelve, so you know, I, I didn't I didn't have any I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to say when he came home and broke down and uh, and once again that's that's what we deal with you know twelve year old and then having a friend not a, not even not even a friend once again just a kid come in and tell him that uh, it says a lot about where we are as a country 
Jeez, man, that, that's terrible. Was that conversation uh, you had with your kids? I, I can't imagine that was an easy conversation. How, how you know, I, I'm sure it was also probably one you knew you'd have to have eventually. So how, how did it go? Was it kind of... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, once again, I was scared going into it, just like my wife was. But then once again, it was necessary. So we went into it and... Um, you know, uh, after it wasn't just one day, we just kept adding little, we kept introducing little by piece by uh, by piece, and then eventually, uh, now they got the, the, the full picture. You know, and, and like I hear Shaquille O'Neal say it one time, and everybody, uh, you know, you gotta teach, tell the kid what to do. Eventually, he's gonna be driving, and then about what to do when you get pulled over. Um, you know, what to do in general when you see the police, and it's not guaranteed that. You know, you will come home the next day. Man, so I, I want to ask at least one UConn-related question. So, you know, you guys obviously both attended UConn in the late 90s and kind of into the early 2000s. What was your experience like on campus, uh, both within the program and then, you know, on the campus as a whole? I think um, for my experience, and, I, and I'll just speak for myself, but I know it holds true for um, the majority of basketball players, the, the, the sport of basketball, you know, it, it doesn't allow for much room for racism or, or, you know, being unfair because it is, you know, the best players um, are going to go and get on the court and try to do the job. And, and, and so um, if you're going to hold a player down because he, uh, if it's black skin, uh, and, you know, he, he's a, a good athlete or something, then, you know, the coaching and, and the team is not going to do uh, so well. So as for the most part, being on stores or, or, or going to Connecticut, um, I had a great time. I, I didn't feel any racial or racism, anything. It's, it, I didn't feel anything as far as that. I just felt all the love that the fans had for the men's basketball team and uh, how we were respected and, uh, the type of respect that I wanted to show to uh, the university, to the coaching staff, to, um, you know, whoever uh, was my elder at the time. So um, I had a terrific time on campus in stores and at the University of Connecticut. So uh, it's nothing but a great story for me. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So, Levon, what do you what what about you? Yeah, UConn was nothing but love, you know, we um it was a great time. I, could, I wish I could go back and relieve those days and enjoy every second of it because <laughs> I didn't do it all the time, you know. Those were the great days. And, uh, you know, the university was great. It was really nothing. I want to like Scully said, I never, I never experienced any, any bad, you know, whatever it was, justice, racism, none of that happened while I was at the University of Connecticut. No, it was nothing but uh, great memories and, Oh, that's good. So uh, now, obviously, you know, that was, you know, about 20 years ago, roughly. Uh, So, Suli, you've been in the country now for about 20 years. You know, Khaled, obviously, you grew up here. What has changed? Like, you know, has have things gotten better at all? Have things, I don't know, gotten worse? Have, you know, what has, has your experience just, you know, being black in America evolved over the course of, you know, the last uh, two decades? Well, you know, I, I consider myself, um, you know, a privileged black person in this country. I came here. I had an opportunity to play basketball. I had a scholarship. I, 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 I took advantage of that, and I, and I did some great things with my life. But I'm, I'm looking. I'm at the high school. I see a lot of my kids and a lot of minorities who are not going to have that opportunity. 
They're not going to go to college. They're not going to educate. They're not going to have a great education. And it happened still right now in the middle school. The school I we had to, my wife and I had to move our, our son to a different district just because the school they were going to go to is literally is the dump. It's called in in Lowell called the Robinson. It's literally the dumping ground of, of and, and that's that's what it is. We need um, we need equality in here. Black people don't have that equality. Uh, um, there's so much inequality going on in the country that doesn't allow black people to have a chance to be uh, to do some positive with their life. And and and, and once again, that, 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 that's that's the whole problem right there. No, absolutely. Uh, Khaled, how about you? Is uh, have your has your experience evolved over the years? Yes, I think you know um, it has evolved in maybe three uh, areas. It went from you know it used to be taboo to talk about. Uh, racism and um, nobody just wanted to have that conversation so uh, we went from you know not talking about it to at least having that conversation and it's been you know numerous uh, police brutality um, accounts and and different things that has pushed the envelope to allow us to even have a conversation uh, about racism and I think you know after we got to that level talking about it I think you know um, some of us kind of put it on the back burner and, you know, started concealing their um, racism. You know, it wasn't out in the public. It wasn't Jim Crow laws or anything like that. It, it became, you know, uh, doing it in private or behind your back. And now uh, with the George Floyd incident, it's just all coming to a head. It's like a perfect storm to where, you know, we have to talk about it because it's right here and, and the world has stopped for, for, for a minute. And now we're actually seeing change coming about um, these conversations. So that's the great part about, uh, you know, the evolution of the past 20 years is that, you know, we went from not talking about it to talking about it to concealing it. And now we're actually having the conversation to where real change is going to happen from it. So it's a beautiful thing. So in your opinion, what needs to happen for that meaningful change to happen to a point where maybe in, you know, I don't, I don't, it probably will be a couple of years, probably decades really, but get to a point where future generations of black people don't need to worry about, you know, oh, you know, this police officer is going to kill me just because I exist. You know, what do you think needs to happen that we can get from where we are now to, you know, a better normal like that? You know, Mac, for me, it's simple. It, it, it's, it's really simple. And uh, for me, it's just us becoming human again. Um, when you look at that video, Mac, of George Floyd, you know, I, 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 I just go back and, um, you know, it was during one of the protests. And we had like a, it was an eight minutes and 46, 46 seconds of silence. And we just stood there, and that's how long the officer uh, had his knee in George Floyd's neck. And when I sat there for eight minutes and 46 seconds, it was so uncomfortable to just sit there for so long. Like, I know we stand up for eight minutes and walk around for uh, eight minutes and 46 seconds every day. But those eight minutes and 46 seconds were so difficult because we understood that a brother was laying with his face on the concrete, on the street, on the pavement, with a knee in his neck, cutting off his circulation. So to, to just to, just to relive that during those eight minutes, it was unreal and it wasn't human. And so I think it, it, it change is easy. 
as long as we become human, treat each other with respect, with dignity, the way you would want to be treated, treat the next person like that. Treat the person that you're pulling over as a citizen. Okay, I understand being a police officer, the job is difficult. The job is, is extremely difficult. But when you lose your human, your human being tactics, when you lose that, that's when things like killing numerous African-Americans over 100 in 2015, things like that happen, and, and it's uncalled for. So I think us going back to being human is what is needed in, in the police force, in uh, the average, everyday American. If we can get back to that, change will come and come fast. No, I was just saying, I, I just wanted to add, I'm wondering how many black people died you know, in the hands of the police uh, in the last 50 years or so. You know, now that we have cell phones, now we can document these things. And, and George Floyd, two weeks ago was Ahmad Arbery. You know, if we didn't have video, guess, guess what would have happened? Nothing. Also, they will also get away with it. And George Floyd would have been the same thing. Luckily, somebody was able to tape a video, have a, have a perfect video, and, and show the world. And guess what? Once again, the last 50 years, I would love to go back and, and really revisit every black person that was murdered and see really the circumstances of the death. So yeah. this, this con- these conversations aren't easy, but it, they, it's a must. We need to act. We need to, we need to have these conversations and, 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 and have this open dialogue and talk among ourselves, right? And, we, and, and it's easy. We need to change some of these laws about the policemen. Uh, you know, they, they need to be held accountable. They, they, we do appreciate what the job the police is doing, which is to protect and serve. But it is to protect and serve everybody, including black people, right? And that's what's missing. That's why you see so many people out there outraged. Our schools are poor. We have poor schools, really. Our schools aren't meant for black black kids, black people, right? Like the curriculum. When do, when do we learn about black history? Well, we do it for two days or maybe three days, and we think it's enough. We need more of those. We need to educate our kids so they know what. Being black means, right? Talk about the good, the positive black role models that we have. And we have plenty. We really have plenty. But we need to visit those and, and, and have those in school. You know? and, and, and so many more. I mean, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not a politician. But but those are the few things, things that we can, we need to we need to improve and, and change in this country. And white people have to really use their privilege to do something. You know, it, it's their time. We can't be quiet right now. You know, if I speak, people are probably going to label me as, as racist already uh, or as whites or whatever, but that's not the case. We just, we need white people to come out and, 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 and really have a point and, and, and really fight for, uh, for, for equality and, and justice for, for everyone, including black people once again. Absolutely. I'll tell you, like when I was growing up, when I was in school, black history education at the schools I went to was sorely lacking. And, um, you know, I think one of the most powerful things just for me from, you know, know, as a white person, you know, after after like Ferguson and, you know, the Baltimore situation and, you know, it's just, you know, over and over and over again, these things happened. And I was very I was so distressed just to see how certain people in my community reacted, like with dismissal or just, you know, outright like, you know, they just 
you know, they didn't want to hear it. You know, the whole like national anthem debate got hijacked by like, you know, oh, it's about the military. And it's like it's you know, it was, it was always just about, you know, police brutality against minorities and the need to treat black people like human beings. So I guess if I'm encouraged by anything, it's that finally it seems like, you know, people who look like me, you know, aren't kidding themselves. And hopefully, hopefully some meaningful change can come. So anyway, but when you when you listen to my kids, most of the time you ask them, "What do you want to be?" They'll tell you, "I want to be like uh, I don't know, I want to be uh, like Kobe Bryant. I want to be you know, Matthew Miller. Why? Because that's what they see for positive black uh, people, black culture. But it needs to be more than that. We need to know more yeah. about Martin Luther King, not for just a week or two. Every single day, kids need to know who he is. A bunch of other black leaders out there, they did positive things. So our kids will, will educate themselves more and, and, and learn more once again about black culture. And then guess what? It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah we, we need to get back. We really do as a country. So I guess before I let you guys go, uh, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to add, uh, Khaled? Um, I am just happy and I am, uh, you know, encouraged by, you know, the change that is happening already officers being held accountable and um just i see the community here in minneapolis we have so many programs reaching back trying to help others that's been affected by this tragedy and it's a beautiful thing and i know what's happening all around the country because it's more good people than it is bad people out there and uh, I, I just am so optimistic about our future. I think our future together as in as far as humanity is the sky's the limit. And I just want to see us continue to progress and make our society and our world a better place. Yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping that we're not just talking and then, and then you know, by, by next week, we all go back to, uh, you know, life resume. You know, I'm, I'm really hoping that this time that positive thing will come out of it. And, and it, looks, it looks like it because, you know, just once again, every single night, I'm seeing people all over the place on social media, on on TV, and right outside my window. There's a lot of people on the street talking and uh, trying to do something out of uh, you know make, make positive changes. So hopefully, once again, hope hope is right now the big word for me, and another one word, big word also is to so hopefully everything will change and black people will have what they deserve in this country. Good, I I so hope so. I mean. You know, if anything good comes out of this, I just hope that this is the last time that we need to have this conversation as a culture and that, you know, maybe hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll look back on this and be like, what the hell was that all about? What were we all thinking? You know, but, you know, the only time will tell, you know, and the only way we'll get there is by, you know, working hard every day. Uh, but uh, Khaled Suleiman, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys both taking the time to have this conversation um, I guess before I let you go, is there you know anything you know I, each of you would like to, you know I guess like you know you know, plug or you know whatever you know business or you know your co- your teams anything like that you want to shout out real quick? No, no, I'm fine, Mac. I, I think this podcast is really helpful. I, I really uh, thank you for stepping up and addressing the issues that's at our forefront in our country right now. Um, and if you ever need me again, just reach out. I'm, I, I thank you for having me, and I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Khaled. And I, I'll take you up on that because there's a you know normally we you usually talk about you know some of the great UConn basketball games, and there's a couple of g- really good ones that you were involved in that I'd love to to talk about. And uh, you know, Suleiman, you've obviously been on the show before, but thanks again so much for coming on. Um, you want to give a quick shout out to Haverhill or Lowell or any you know anything that you're up to there. Uh, 
shout out to everybody in the Merrimack Valley Conference. Uh, Hillies, go Hillies, obviously go Hillies once again. And uh, thank you for, for giving us this opportunity to express ourselves. And uh, and that's what we need in the country. We need open conversation, uh, dialogue, and, and listen to one another. And I'm hearing a lot of people are talking about I'm listening, I'm listening. So hopefully change uh, coming Good stuff. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week. Kind of remains to be seen sort of whether we'll be having another discussion like this or if it's uh, a little bit more more basketball focused. I guess we'll just have to see how uh, events play out. But uh, for everybody who's listening, thanks so much. Uh, You can reach me at Max Cerullo on Twitter. That's M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. Uh, you can email me at podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, no, just, um, you know, we, we drop new episodes every Tuesday. So, uh, you know, if you like what you heard today or if you, I don't know, have listened to past episodes that are more basketball focused, you know, give us a five star review. Give us a like and, you know, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. And uh, thank you all so much.